I'm Will Hanson and welcome to the Experts in the Room podcast brought to you by Extreme Push. In this series, we chat to some of the leading minds working in the customer experience, retention and data space in some of the most competitive and fastest growing industries in the world. In this episode, Omnichannel Conversations, I chat with Gordon Newman, founder of Omnichannel Stories and fellow podcast host. Gordon is one of Ireland's leading voices in e-commerce, having headed up the go-to-market team at Lifestyle Sports for over a decade. We not only chat face-to-face, to talk about everything from logistics and supply chains to the democratization of technology and the future skills needed by e-commerce managers and marketing managers in this ever-evolving industry. This was a lot of fun, as you'll see, to record, and there's plenty to unpack with Gordon. You'll enjoy this one. Good morning. Welcome to the Experts in the Room podcast. I'm very Happy to have Gordon Newman, founder of Omnichannel Stories, here with me today. Gordon, you're very welcome to jump in. Uh, uh, morning, Will. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Gordon has spent over 20 years' experience in e-commerce across telecommunications, footwear, apparel, and is best known as the go-to-market director at Lifestyle Sports. Gordon now runs the consultant, the Omni, Omnichannel Stories. Um, over time, he's learned that when you join multiple touch points together, uh, he's learned that when you um, join those touch points together, it's possible to build um, exceptional experiences that go beyond functional to drive revenue, loyalty, and customer advocacy. I have to plug your podcast as well, <laughs> Gordon. Um, functional and fabulous with um, Jerky Home from uh, Studio Forty Nine. If you're not listening to that on Spotify and you're in retail and e-commerce in Ireland or the UK, then you're not listening to the right podcast. I have to say that. That is a great plug. Thanks, Will. Yeah, that's all right. So, um, anything that we're probably covering today is covered in multiple episodes on there, but. We're excited to have you in here today as an expert on all things kind of retail and e-commerce. I guess you're a huge advocate of technology and how it can kind of advance brands in what they're doing. Um, Obviously, we're a technology partner ourselves or a technology solution, Extreme Push. Um, It's not about plugging us today, but we want to kind of (laughs) tap into what you're thinking and seeing around technology stacks and and what e-commerce brands should be doing at the moment. I think that it's a really interesting area because technology is the great enabler yeah. for e-commerce. But from my own perspective, I always think that you should be considering technology as a as the tool once you've defined what you want to achieve. Yeah. Because there's like if you think about the vendor landscape at the moment, there are hundreds, probably thousands of technology tools that you can use, and some of them are like the big enterprise level stuff. And then you've got smaller applications that you can use for specific tasks. So when you're, and and it's very difficult not to be seduced by shiny new technology. I'm the worst for it. I see something new and I'm like, I want to use that. But taking that step back as a brand or, or as a retailer and then identifying what do we want to create or what are the challenges within the business and then look for the technology tools and the solutions to enable you to do that. So don't go technology first, you maybe go, um, you can start with, well, what's the biggest challenge in the business as an example? And it could be that you are are a, a retail brand and you have you have thousands of products that change seasonally um, and you've got very little control about how, how they show up on the website. So let's go and look for great merchandising tech 
yeah. then then you can make your assessment of what tool is best going to fit the business then. But all my, I suppose my mantra is start with the basics, work out what you want to do with your brand, what challenges that you have, and then go and find the technology that fits to help you solve those. Do you find in a consultancy's perspective that obviously, like it's easy for, well not easy, but as a startup brand, you might go, oh geez, I put all the shiny stuff first and go and invest in it and you're forgetting your core business values. Does that still go across the scale where you've seen even experienced teams with maybe legacy tech stacks kind of thinking, oh, we need this bit, we need to add this bit and kind of not thinking about the core business problems that they should be solving for their yeah. customers. Yeah, you do, you do tend to see that with, you see that in a couple of ways and it manifests itself in a couple of ways that uh, everybody loves to blame the tech when yeah. something doesn't work like, oh yeah, the tech's rubbish. But have you stepped back and, and looked at how you're using the tech that you've got, that you've got yeah. in place? So say you've got an ERP, did you adjust your processes around your ERP to make, say we're talking product upload. Yeah. Have you adjusted your, your processes around, uh, around the ERP that you have? Or do you need an ERP because it's not fit for purpose? And very often there's a temptation, particularly in established brands, to like, we're going to blame the kit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then we're going to put some new shiny tech in and that's going to fix everything. But then if you don't make that cultural change or you don't have that process shift that needs to accompany this, then you end up in the same place again and, and the technology actually hasn't helped or it's it's been underutilized and you see that you see that quite a bit. Or people select the wrong technology because they haven't stepped back and thought about the problem that they're trying to that they're trying to solve. So again a good example of that might be it might be on an e-commerce platform yeah. and the platform doesn't potentially have the flexibility that, that they're looking for. And instead of going, right, okay, which platforms are more flexible, step back and say, well, what, what is the flexibility that we need? Is it content-led? Is there something that we can add to our existing stack without ripping everything out yeah. and starting again? Because the disruption that causes across a business is absolutely enormous yeah and your your time as a di uh, director of go to market at lifestyle sports i'm sure is probably informing some of these kinds of conversations <laughs> yeah like we weren't without our we weren't without our challenges yeah uh, one of the challenges that we had was that um we were with one technology partner for um, a particular product. I'm going to tread very carefully now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say, yeah, no, no um, spoilers here. One, one particular, one particular product, and that product got acquired. Yeah. And then um, by by another business, and then it got acquired again. That that whole other business, and then the product was retired. Yeah. So really, in that situation, our business challenge was. Um, you need to replace the product because there's going to be no product there in 12 months time. So the challenge that we had to overcome then was something that is going to be fit for purpose to, for the future, but we're also going to have to replace something within a very tight time frame. And that was, that was an interesting process to go through because it forced us to step back yeah. and it was a major piece of technology for us. Uh, it forced us to step back and say, what is it that we are going to need, not just today, but what do we need in three years? What do we need in five years? And that then informed the process. And it, it, that was actually a useful exercise in stepping back, but we weren't actually, we hadn't planned to make that decision at that point. 
it was forced upon us and that was that was kind of uncomfortable yeah. but it was um I think we got a good outcome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I think proof's in the pudding of the, of the offering that they have, obviously, online. So, um, and they go to market strategy. So, yeah, that's my... The, 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 what was interesting about, uh, about Lifestyle Sports as a brand is that it, it's a reseller of other people's yeah. product. So, therefore, you aren't competing on price. Yeah. You're not competing on product range because you can buy that product elsewhere. So then that forces you as a retail business to step back and say, right, what are we competing on? What makes us different? What makes us, us special? Why would a customer come to us as opposed to, as opposed to another brand selling the same product? And that's where we identified, well, what can we compete on? We can compete on service. We can compete on presentation. We can compete on communications. We can compete on activity. Uh, not activity, that's the wrong word. Compete <laughs> on um, experience. Yeah. And the activity that sits around the experience so that we build something that, um, that customers love shopping with. And that's what's going to keep yeah. them coming back. Not oh, you know, we've got Air Force Ones and they're a, ch like a tenner cheaper than everybody else. Yeah, that's not going to drive your business forward in the long run. So it's, it's giving you a good chance to s spot that yeah. difference in what you're trying to do for a brand story. And then build the relationship. Yeah. So yeah. Bring, looping that back into the tech conversation, yeah. what are the tools that you need to be able to do that? So what kind of shape is your CRM in? Yeah. What data do you hold about customers? How do you then utilize that data so that the customer is getting a personalized experience, but no, not so personalized that it's weird, yeah. uh, but personalized so that it's enjoyable and built around them. And that's, that was always where we as a team tried to, to focus our efforts. So that's probably a good segue into, into omni-channel stories and what you're doing now and what you're kind of advocating around, around the touch points, and particularly in CRM, huge focus, obviously, for us around actionable data, understanding your customers, and then trying to get out and talk to them in the right place at the right time. Uh, how, how are you kind of talking about that at the moment? What's the... What's interesting is that there's a huge amount of focus on, on all of the customers that, that um, I've been working with and that, that I've, I've done work with, with partners on, where they will be very, very focused on marketing but maybe not as focused on their operations yeah so the first thing we always do and the first thing i always do is look at that that operation in the round so how does a product go from inception either it's bought or it's manufactured or created how is that selected what is the process that brings that to life online so that's always the first part yeah and very often there's quite a bit of work to do in that area. Um, then we look at how are we presenting that product? So how does that show up when, when a customer goes online or goes into a store? How, how is that experience joined up, if at all? Um, and what changes can be made around that? And then we start to look at, at communications activity. And you can then start to look at all of the different communication channels that are available from how do you acquire customers. Um, once they're acquired or, or once they come and experience the brand, 
what communication do they then get? So say they register, but they haven't bought anything. How do you tempt them in? What's, yeah. what's that um, sequence of communication that you use to get the customer excited? And try and steer away from a discount or a promotion and, and steer the conversation away from price onto experience. And then start to build an understanding of what the customer likes, what they don't like, what group do they fall in? So when you're segmenting customers, there's loads of different ways you can do it. You can do it by value, you can do it by the category they shop, you can do it by the demographic information. Usually it's a mixture of all of those things plus some of the experiences that they've had. And then start offering them relevant communications that they're gonna start getting excited about through channels that they like. And you've got so much choice available to you. you can. SMS them, you can mail them, you can yeah. um, you can push message these these customers. So, you know, a couple of those messages are quite intrusive, and they need to be used sparingly at like a moment of truth. You, you but use the data from someone that'll respond to it to say exactly. Yeah. Don't be like texting your entire base like yeah. five times a week <laughs> yeah. because they'll get very annoyed with you quite quickly, uh, and it's very unlikely that you'll have something relevant. Uh, but email them stories that they'll be interested in and that they're likely to, to engage in. And recognize that there's different segments that, that want different things from you as a brand. Somebody might be a very functional shopper with you where somebody might be a bit more experiential. So use that data to, um, to work that out and try things. Yeah. So that's a lot of the work that, that, that we, we kind of do. There's so much to talk about. Yeah, this. I was like, going to say, we can pick <laughs> on a few threads there. I, what I find really interesting, and, and it was actually a topic that came up, we were up at Ecom Live in Belfast. There's a plug for um, Kevin at the Grow Consultancy. But <laughs> it is a great very, conference, very, by the way. Yeah, it is very good. One of, the, one of the speakers I remember talking about, we as e-commerce brands and retailers, now obviously it's going to vary depending on what you're selling. Um, understanding the right type of customer that we want as well and yep. and being okay to take a hit in that some people are going to just come on for price and they're going to disappear eventually. We're not going to be building experience for them. I find the big talk at the moment around retention is the new acquisition can be a little bit, um, I, well, I'll lead you down a hole there. You might disagree <laughs> with me, but I, I think that it has its, uh, retention 100% has its place for the right audiences. But sometimes you're still going to have to be working hard on your acquisition to get new people in to replace people that are falling out of your funnel. How do you kind of balance the push and pull with brands on where they need to be putting limited budgets in a hard market at the moment around make sure you're talking to your loyal base, double down on their LTV versus we still need to protect our brand and we still need to be out on ads. We still need to be finding new audiences and talking to new people. So as you say, it's a balancing act and yeah. it's a constant balancing act for every, it depends where it sits within the organization. Yeah. So for either every e-commerce manager or every, every marketing manager, there is always a balance to be struck between acquisition and retention. And when you're looking at which customers you're going to invest the most into retaining, they're the ones that are going to show you the greatest propensity to have a long-term relationship with you. Um, ideally, they'll come back and they'll shop with you frequently. It depends on the product. It might be a product that you buy once. It might be a product that you have on a replen cycle. Um, customers that you want to win back, so they've maybe strayed. Um, yeah. But but why have they strayed? Have they strayed because um, somebody offered them something at a better price? 
Um, is it because they've had a poor service experience? If they've had a poor service experience, then what caused that? And is that happening to lots of other customers? So let's step back a second, yeah. go back to our brand promise. Are we achieving the things that, that we said we would? So say you promise somebody a next day delivery, but 50% of your deliveries are taking two days, then actually, are you gonna invest in acquisition marketing, retention marketing, or are you gonna, re are you gonna invest in operations? Well, that needs operational investment to bring the service back up to the standard that you've been promising some uh, retention activity to win back those customers to get them to try again and you might want to incentivize yeah. them to try again and that's going to cost you margin and then you want to be confident in your acquisition message that actually this is the service yeah. that we're going to provide so there isn't a magic formula that says you know your your acquisition retention budget yeah, needs to yeah, balance yeah. at whatever because you might be early stage so you might be an established business, but your e-commerce business is relatively new, maybe two or three years old, and you'll be amazed how many people span up businesses during, during, during the pandemic, and now they're like, right, okay, how do we grow our e-commerce base? Well, that's gonna be investment and acquisition. And then of the customers that you've got, you still need to be retaining them and engaging them, but acquisition's more important at this part of the life cycle versus an established business where maybe you know a few hundred thousand people have shopped with you in Ireland if you're Irish based that's actually quite significant so invest in invest in managing that that base so it I guess it's a not a straight answer yeah <laughs> and that it depends yeah yeah no that's fine I, I think it comes back to you talk we talk in this in, in our business about brilliant basics as well setting up your core fundamentals in, yeah. in your comm strategy from a retention perspective and it can be on your acquisition strategy. Like there are some non-negotiables I think that brands need to be looking at that are potentially, that they're not doing because they haven't thought about it, you know. And basic segmentation yeah. is is one, the, the number of people that are sending the same email to their entire base yeah. at the same time on the same day and you, you have the conversation, it's like, yeah, we send that email on a Friday, but you know, it, we might want the same email, but for you, it might be better on a Tuesday. Yeah. And for me, it might be better on a Sunday. It's, it it yeah. depends. So it's starting to understand how customers are reacting to different messages, different timing, when is relevant for them. It's, it's funny, you, what we're talking about a lot here is that marketing managers and e-commerce managers are, are becoming, you almost sound a lot data and analysis or, you know, it, there's a skill set that's changing, I think, as well. And I've heard you talk about this before, about you know if you're a holistic marketing manager working in this space at the moment, you're wearing a few different hats. Yeah, it's there tough. are some core. Yeah, it's tough. But there's <laughs> probably some core skills I think that you need to be looking at: the ability to tell stories with data, understand it, um, yeah. like, doubling down on that. How or how to interpret the information yeah. that you have, and it's one thing to be able to get the information, but you. You can then be overwhelmed with yeah. the information that, that you receive. So the skill there is to pick out what is important. And then once you know what is important, what is it telling you? And now what are you going to do with that? Um, and how are you going to turn that into something? So that could be really obvious stuff. Like, And again, going into, I use the logistics example, like review scores yeah. on your service. 
that's an input that you've got to be you've got to be mindful of as well as conversion rates as well as um, all of your like LTV purchase frequency basket size that tells you one thing but actually you know you can be you can have a tweak that you could make based on on qualitative information that you receive through reviews that you can then go okay we'll make a change to the service or we'll make a change to how we communicate something and then that will improve or it will it will improve the experience that the customer gets yeah. and then we're likely to then be able to drive some of our other metrics rather than just by throwing yet another promotion at it yeah. so there is i think there is a a requirement for data analysis and understanding information but then having a solid common sense overlay on top of that and you've got to remember that these are busy people yeah and i I would often, people would often ask me and I'd explain to them that, that there are hundreds of things going on and you've got like 99 problems and, and where, where are some of these, some of these activities sitting because you, you're going to have something that's broken, you're going to have something that's on fire, you're going to have something that you need to fix immediately, but then don't neglect some of this more in-depth work that you're going to need to do about really understanding your customers. And again, it comes down to balance. And, and how important, in your opinion, is finding partners that can help you on your day-to-day -day if you're an e-commerce manager to support you in some of that function that would take, turn the 99 fires into 89 fires. So, yeah, to get, or, put or, some or fires 90 out. or 91 or whatever it is. Or just put one fire out. Yeah, just one would help. I like, always talk about the importance of partnerships. Yeah. And, and you think, well, what is a partnership? So if you're working with your development agency, how, how do you interact with your development agency? I think partnerships are, are very important, by the way. So do you just go in and have your, your call once a week where you discuss your pro project roadmap and shout at your agency because things are late? Yeah. Or are you actually talking to them a bit more, a bit more frequently and a little bit more in depth, taking their advice you don't necessarily have to action the advice, but actually taking that opinion and that support and then apply that to, to the business. But I'm also not a fan of, of trying to insource everything. So everybody doesn't need developers. Yeah. There are great developers. So lean on agencies that have got great development capability. And that's one less thing that you have to worry about lean on your platform partners because if they're giving you great capability ideally you don't want that on premise yeah. because then that's just more infrastructure for you to manage push that out let somebody else look after that and then you can start focusing on things that are a bit more important to the business like the proposition like analyzing the information that you're getting yeah. and making decisions around it so all of those non-core functions push out to third parties and have close relationships with those third parties, take their advice, and then you can focus on what's really core to your business and where you add value. We can't all be development houses. Yeah, I, I think that's, that's super interesting and it's something that, that you see where brands really lean into that support from a, from a platform supplier side. They can get real benefit from it, from understanding some ex expertise. And then from the platform side, the more you're involved in that business 
decisioning, the, the understanding of the core goals of the business, the easier it is then to provide a service that matches what they're actually looking for as opposed to what you think they might be looking for because you've got two lifestyle brands, but one might be doing something that's completely different totally. to another brand and then being able to lean into what they're doing rather than running the same old abandoned cart campaign that every other brand's running. Exactly, it's like that. It's like that shiny tech yeah. problem again of one size doesn't necessarily fit all. And I think the best technology providers and the best brand, uh, the best brand partners or the best agencies that you might yeah. work with really take the time to understand the business of their customers. Kind of in the same way, if you think about it in retail, what are you doing in retail? You're doing your best to understand what each individual customer or what each segment of customer really needs from you. And similarly, from a technology provider perspective, what does each customer yeah. or, or segment of customers really need a, as a service? Um, but I don't underestimate the challenge that is for, um, for providers. Yeah. And when you look at somebody then like Shopify, a big fan, um, it's kind of, it's one of those products that sort of does 80% of what you need yeah. really, really well. Yeah. So what do you then need? Well, you then need an agency partner that's going to work with you to get that other 20% that maybe is a bit unique or quirky about your business. Yeah. And they can help either extend the platform or they can, they can add apps to the platform that are going to support the objective that you yeah. have. Um, so who's your who's your biggest partner in that? Well, actually, you've got Shopify, who's like your engine, and that's turning over. But the partner you need to be closest with is your agency or your SI. Yeah, uh, it's an interesting one, just because it's been conference season. Do you think in the Irish market, particularly, that that people are talking to each other enough to get best experience? Like, do you find that within the industry, or even your experience across the industry as a whole? Like, I find that doing a two-day thing um, and having a conference is great, but it's the learnings that you actually get from people with real challenges and understanding there are other people in the same boat that have either fixed it or come up with a solution or not fixed it and gone, don't go down that rabbit hole, it'll destroy you. I, I would say that um, at risk to myself, <laughs> I've probably never had an original idea. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and I, I give you a great example. First of all, to answer the question, do people talk to, eno to, to each other enough? The community here is really small. And I think people are talking to each other more and more. And there's events like Ecom Live, another plug for Kevin, um, do bring people together to have those kind of conversations and to share that knowledge. But like, you can get an idea and then adapt an idea for, for the business that you're in. And I remember one great example from my time at, at, at Lifestyle Sports was we were looking at ways in which we could get the inventory in the warehouse to work harder for us. And um, we looked at this idea of kiosks and we thought, oh, it'd be great to put kiosks in the stores. And I, sat, I, I went off over to, um, to Debenhams, which was next door to our, our head office. And I, they had some kiosks at the time and nobody was using these kiosks at all. And I was like, well, kiosks are going to be a giant waste of money. And off we went to talk to a few different solution providers who built kiosks. Yeah. And they said, well, there's absolutely no reason why you couldn't put all of this capability into a handheld device 
um, into, a, at the time it was an iPad, and there's no reason why you can't just compress it all and then stick that on the shoulder of your team members in store. So we took that away and, and well, the idea of a kiosk is good. The idea of getting inventory that's sitting in our central distribution center is good. The idea of giving our team members something that they can use to interact with customers is good. Yeah. Let's push all of that together. But that wasn't something that was magically dreamed up by Gordon. That was something that was recommended from a number of people yeah. saying, this is what we do in this situation. And then taking those ideas and putting them all together into something that worked for us. Yeah. And do you, I'm, I, I like to pivot into this because you're obviously you're an expert in this industry. You've been in it for I don't, I won't, I won't insult long. you. I won't insult you a long, long time. Um, Gordon's younger than he looks. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> tough paper round. Yeah, yeah, tough paper round. Are there are there um, other sources of information that you would say are a must-have if you're either say you're entering as a brand or you're an e-commerce manager that's starting out, um, or you're even an experienced e-commerce manager? Would you be following certain people on LinkedIn? Would you be looking at um, different resources online? Um, constantly to kind of upskill and learn? There is the great thing about our industry, and the thing that I love most about working in e-commerce is how generous people yeah. are. It's full of people that are willing to share their thoughts, share their ideas, what's worked, what hasn't worked for them, and that's kind of on a global level. Yeah. So there are like hundreds of people that you could follow on LinkedIn, on Twitter. I just steer clear from all the guys that are like, we got 26x growth <laughs> yeah, in, yeah. in three minutes by just changing our email. Then it, yeah. And you certainly think, well, actually, no, you didn't. But there, there is then a whole host of, of, of people that you can follow. There are podcasts that you can listen to, um, obviously functional obviously, and fabulous. Yeah, I was about to say, there's the <laughs> Experts in the room. Yeah. Um, but then th there, are, there are great things happening all over the world yeah. that you can listen to. Like another one of my favorites is Rethink Retail. I'd love them to have me a guest. I'm just saying. Wait, wait. <laughs> but there's, there's a lot of people that talk about very specialized areas yeah. of the industry too. And the other thing I found is if you reach out to people and ask them the question, of I've got a problem, I'm struggling with this. Like I'm looking at something to do with marketplaces at the moment. And, uh, and a guy posted on, on LinkedIn, um, here's the top 150 marketplaces in Europe and this is what they sell and this is what their average bounce rate is and this is how much traffic they have. And there's, there's a resource that it's would have taken I, it would have taken weeks to pull together. Somebody's pulled that together and they're making that available and he's like, oh, just message me and I'll send that to you. Yeah. So if you're starting out, then LinkedIn, <laughs> Twitter is, is actually great. If like Twitter can be a bit horrible. <laughs> so cut you through. You go on slagging people going, I wouldn't <laughs> yeah. do that, 27X, good luck. <laughs> See ya. Yeah. It's more that if you can cut through some of the nastiness on Twitter yeah. and get into like e-commerce Twitter, yeah. there's great people there. And then tip up at conferences and you'll be amazed at who will talk to you, what they'll share, who they'll connect you with. They'll collect you with solutions vendors for challenges that you're having. So I'd be talking to, um, I'd be talking to somebody and say, oh, I've got a speed issue on a website. And they're like, right, okay, well, you need to talk to 
X person that, that has, um, has a piece of technology that will be able to fix that for you. So it's a very, very generous community. But if I call out one person, that means I have to try and call out everyone. I don't yeah, think we've yeah, got enough no, time. That's fine, that's fine. <laughs> I think it's a good, good steer. And I'd say most people hopefully listening yeah. to this would be down that route anyway, but it is, it is important to do. One thing I would say is um, if you don't follow Vinnie O'Brien, <laughs> on um, on yeah. LinkedIn, he does his Friday rundown yeah. in the style of, um, it's like in the style of a news broadcast. Um, so that's a bit of light-hearted, what's going on in the industry, and it always makes me chuckle. Yeah, he, he's a big target. I think we've got him lined up to potentially come in. If he's listening to this, he'll he'll have to say <laughs> he'll have to say yes to my invitation. Um, Gordon, I think like we we've covered heaps of topics there, and it's it's funny. There's a thread through all of that, right? It's about leaning into people. It's about leaning into support, leaning into technology, um, really understanding your core values of, of a brand and what you're solving for a customer. Um, 2023, 2024, we've come off the bizarre bounce of COVID with e-commerce, a lot of recalibration within the industry. Like we look at Shopify, we look at yeah. the platform side of it, uh, probably recalibration calibration of um, kind of where people were projecting things were going. Tough market to be in, I think, easy to say. What do you think are some areas of, of opportunity for brands at the moment as far as their maybe their omni-channel marketing uh, that they should be looking at uh, and potentially areas of opportunity across the spectrum of, of a holistic approach to be an e-commerce brand at the moment? That is quite a big question. Yeah, yeah. Um, if you can answer that, then we'll let you go. If I, if I could answer that, then um, I'd start my own <laughs> consultant. Oh, actually, yeah. I have. Now, the... The big opportunities are really about understanding the customer and the market fit that you have. There are lots of tools that are available to reach that customer. And one of the challenges is choosing which of those tools is the right tool. And I think understand if you wind that back, understand what your value proposition is, who your customer is, and then you've a proliferation of channels to choose from. So you might choose Amazon, you might choose one of the other marketplaces. Um, you have all of your, I suppose, traditional digital mix, yeah. which like search, shopping, SEO, you, you can do all of that work. You've um, Meta have got a great reach across all of their products. Um, TikTok's emerging as yeah. a great way of reaching customers. So you've got a lot to choose from. I guess the advice would be when you take that step back and you're clear about your value proposition and you're clear about your customer, you don't then try and do absolutely everything at the same time. Yeah. Pick the things or, or, or pick a selection of the things that are going to be most effective in you reaching that that customer with the message that you have, and then you'll be able to optimize that in in a way that's that's profitable for you, rather than like COVID and the pandemic. You would just lean into like whatever media is available, just throw some money at yeah. it, and you're gonna get return. It's yeah. it, it's now requires a lot more of a refined approach yeah. of actually making sure that, and, and then the value, once, you, once you've worked out how to reach them, the value in the creative execution 
can't be underestimated and I think um, you need to pay as much attention to what you're saying and how you're saying it as you are to where you are saying it. And I, th I think that's the a combination of those factors is what will give you the opportunity to, to have some success across 2023 and 2024. Yeah, the year's moving quickly. <laughs> it's, it? it's, it's going quickly. Yeah. It's going incredibly quickly. Um, and having that focus on customers is, is build for the customer. Yeah. And don't build for, like, don't use price. It's a lazy mechanism. Yeah, it's funny. I, one of the, the biggest takeaways from that conference the other week was how many people sit in bubbles, the desktop bubble. Um, I think it was um, Jason from the Web Bureau said it. And he's like, like, it surprises him about how many people forget to go on and actually do a purchase on their own store and then do it on their mobile and do it on, on, on their website and then get their grandma to do one and then get someone else to do one and I'm test and learn and keep understanding what's happening and if you're a if, if you're a, a multi-channel retailer and you've got stores yeah and you've got lots of stores then you need your team in store yeah. to be advocates of your your online business make sure that that they are doing those transactions too and incentivize them yeah. because they'll be able to advocate that for you to customers as they as they come into store now you can open up a whole conversation yeah, there about channel there balance yeah. and, and, and keeping team members engaged there. But you've got all of that resource available yeah. to you of the, like everybody that works in your business and really understanding how things work, work yourself. The challenge is you're really emotionally attached to what yeah. you've built yeah. and stepping away from that and casting a really critical eye of what would I say if that was my competitor? Yeah. Is that not just good enough, but is that the best that it can be? And if it is, great, then communicate <laughs> yeah, it yeah, a yeah, lot. Yeah, get it out. And if it's not, fix it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that's actually probably a perfect <laughs> spot to end it. Just fix it. Yeah, um, just fix yeah, it. Ring Gordon it's if that you want to fix it. Um, <laughs> No, it's been really insightful uh, to hear hear your story, um, but more importantly, like we've gotten into the nuts and bolts of lots of stuff. I have a feeling that there could be about 46 <laughs> podcast episodes that could stem from this. The environment is so big, it's so vast at the moment, but um, those takeaways of being really, really down on what you're doing, understanding your core ethos, um, I think they're excellent for people listening yeah. to a proper expert in an actual room with me today. <laughs> it's going to be in a room. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So thanks for thanks for coming in today. That's um, Gordon Newman from Omnichannel Stories. Do check out his pod podcast, um, Functional and Fabulous. It is excellent. It's on Spotify and all the usual spots that you can get your podcast. I sound like an ACAST recording yeah, there. <laughs> um, but yeah, do check him out. Uh, and and we'll, we'll, I am sure we will have a follow-up conversation at some point. Thanks for having me, Will. Cheers. It's been great to be here. Awesome.